Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, October 6, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about What If Episode 9. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer and Weekend Editor Brad Omen. Hey, that's me. Okay, as with all these episodes, we do it in four parts. We do it with feedback, getting to your questions and comments. We go into our brief reactions. We break down the episode, and we go into speculation. Uh, this week, I want to read one email, Brad. And by the way, you can send those emails to peter at slashfilm.com with your, your comments, speculation, concerns, uh, you know, whatever whatever you want. Blaze from Las Vegas writes in that Thanos eliminated half of the life in the universe with a snap of his fingers, and Endgame indicated the, that the Infinity Stones were powerful enough to eliminate all life with a single snap. So why do we see Ultron laboriously wipe out one planet at a time rather than do it all at once? Does Ultron not know the extent of the Infinity Stone's power? Why did the why did he eliminate life in his universe so inefficiently? Especially given that he's like this, you know, well-designed uh uh, highly sophisticated android, uh, leaving Hawkeye and Black Widow to potentially ruin his plan when all he had to do is snap his fingers. Brad, why? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, this is a question that I've consistently had about wielding the Infinity Stones almost all the time. Um, like, if, if the stones are that powerful and you can do something like snap out half of existence, I don't know why anybody who can wield the stone should have any trouble dealing with any of the Avengers whatsoever. Like there are literally infinite possibilities for you to manipulate time, space, reality, all these things. And I feel like maybe it is just a matter of like a limitation of, uh, you know, how you, how you wield that power, especially because I guess maybe the explanation is when you, when you see, you know, Thanos wipe out half the universe with a single snap, it, it severely injures him, you know, it basically completely ruins his arm to the point where like it's burnt and crusty and he can't even use it anymore. So, you know, maybe the reason that 
Ultron or, or Thanos, what have you, can only do so much with the Infinity Stones because it requires so much power to do anything that would make it easier for them to fight any of those superheroes. So I guess oh, I just, he might be smart enough to know that it would destroy himself in the process if he did it all at once. So yeah, he so I, I, small bursts. So I guess I just talked myself out of my own <laughs> problem. <laughs> hey, I like coming up with these solutions. I'm, I'm not sure they they even thought about the solution. They probably did. I'm sure uh, they did. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get into our brief reactions for episode nine. Which, if you're still listening to this, spoiler alert: the episode title is. What if the Watcher broke his oath? Uh, this is the season finale of this show on Disney+. Plus. I will say that I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Like, this whole season has... We've been kind of waiting for this, for these heroes to all come together and the stories to collide. And while it felt epic, and I was enjoying it, I did like, I wasn't... I definitely wasn't disappointed um it's it just felt like i don't you know what i think it is i i think it's because the threat just kind of popped up out of nowhere last episode yeah and i think well i think that and like honestly this is and this is the complaint that i keep bringing up because and it's always significant is these these the short episodes make things feel so rushed and it makes things uh feel you know not as impactful as they could be like the beginning of this episode, I was frustrated just because of how you know easy and simple it was for the watcher to just go around and be like, "Hey, come, come with me." I'm, you know, he's basically being you know cosmic Nick Fury and making his own version of the Avengers, the Guardians of the Multiverse, as as they're you know come to be called. Brad, and- do you know how many minutes it took the watcher to uh, to form his Guardians of the Multiverse? I want to say three. It, it was under five. It, okay. it said it said six, but that was including the opening sequence. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah probably three or four minutes. I'll bet then. Yeah. It just it just all felt very like just gloss over and like especially it, it, seeing the finale and how this came together. Like I wish they could have made this a longer episode, and uh, I, I I wanted more time for them to to make this feel like a bigger deal. And in some ways, I almost wish that this was something. That they saved for like a live action movie because there are a lot of cool things that happen in this episode. Um, but yeah, it's just it, the it feeling rushed, I think, takes away any power and, and intrigue that the story might otherwise have. Did did you like this episode as much as me? Less than me? I think maybe a little less. I, I don't want to say that I was disappointed, but I guess I was somewhat underwhelmed. Um, I think that some of the best action of the series is in this episode. It took a couple turns that I wasn't expecting. Um, but I, I think the biggest problem is that even though it, this puts a, a different spin on the infinity saga, it doesn't veer too far from what we already saw happen. So as interesting as it is to see these different versions of characters that we know, uh, you know, com- completely different versions of you know, what are Captain America and Black Panther and whatnot. Um, I, it just it kind of felt like it was treading too familiar territory, and I wish that they were allowed to maybe veer a little bit more uh, away from from that concept a bit. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's let's get into it. So this episode begins with a moment uh, that is the same moment from the beginning of Winter Soldier. Captain America Winter Soldier. This is when the ship that had been hijacked by Batrock uh, and 
the U.S., the United States uh, sending some heroes in to resolve the situation. But instead of Captain America and Black Widow, it's Captain Carter and Black Widow. And Widow is teasing her about Steve. There's like – it's actually kind of interesting because it's kind of very sim- uh, very similar beats. Like uh, they mentioned but. Uh, Bernard from accounting instead of Lillian from accounting. So uh, it has that whole same beat. Uh, she touches down a Batrock ship before the watcher appears to her and basically just recruits her. Like, it's like, Hey, come with me. Okay. On to the next thing, <laughs> which I think is to your point. It just, so it just happens so fast. Uh, so we show up at the dairy queen that we saw at the cliffhanger of the Black Panther episode when he was uh, Star-Lord. And this is the Dairy Queen that Peter Quill is working at, and Ego shows up. And, of course, uh, Black Panther as Star-Lord saves him. Uh, he blows up Ego, I guess? Yeah, this was the one that pissed me off the most. I was like, this was such a cool like setup that could have led to something bigger, and it's just glossed over in like the easiest way possible. Like they just totally blow, blow that like whole storyline out of the water with this quick thing. I'm just like, come on. Yeah. I I think that's another thing here is like all these episodes have these cliffhangers that make you wonder, Oh, where would this story go next? And then it turns out, Oh, the story's just like easily diffused. And then the watcher recruits them. (laughs) That's like, that's the next part of the story. So it's kind of disappointing. Uh, okay, next up we go to – oh, my God. How do you pronounce the name of this planet, Brad? Neva Delir, I think. Oh, hold on. I have to think. Uh, yeah, if that sounds right, Neva Valir. Yeah, it, it's, fr- it's it's the planet that Thor forged Stormbreaker on. It's uh, the planet that Thanos also forged the Infinity Gauntlet on. And um, here we see Peter Dinklage's character – is there helping Iron Man, who is in uh, a Hulkbuster suit, and Gamora, who is in Thanos' armor, uh, melt the gauntlet? So am I wrong here, Brad, or have we not seen this version of Gamora in this series? No, we absolutely haven't, and there's uh, actually a, a reason for that. Um, there was an episode that was meant to be part of this first season that uh, involved Gamora and also involved uh, this uh, Sakarian version of Iron Man and the what is basically like, a, I guess, a smaller Hulkbuster suit. Uh, and there, that's actually an entire episode that they decided to hold on to uh, for season two. It was meant to be part of um, earlier in the season, uh, but for some reason they decided to, to hold on to it. I don't know if they felt like they had too much like Tony Stark stuff already in the season. Uh, I did. I know that they said, um, I actually just recently talked to uh, director Brian Andrews and head writer AC Bradley. And Brian said that they had a little bit of trouble um, due to COVID production stuff. So I'm not sure why, why that episode in particular was uh, impacted, but that's why uh, we don't get an introduction for Gamora this season, but apparently we'll, we'll still get to see that episode uh, as part of season two. That's interesting. So this season was supposed to be 10 episodes. Now it's nine. This episode is going to be part of season two. And spoiler alert for season two of What If, Brad, but it it seems like uh, Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark, and Gamora strike up a friendship, which uh, is not how the episode seems to be set up. There's some rumors online of what that episode involves. but uh, And there's even a toy that was released by Lego 
of uh, Iron Man in that. Just a, car, uh, just a car Iron Man suit. Yeah, but it, it, it sounds like Iron Man ends up on Sakaar and becomes the gladiator. And uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, I don't think let's get into spoilers because I guess that episode is coming out next season. But it's interesting that we know that because I had some questions about next season. We'll, we'll get into that in speculation. Okay. So um, uh, the Watcher cho- chooses Gamora. Uh, why, why didn't he want uh, Tony Stark? Bring Tony Stark with the Hulkbuster armor. I think I thought the same thing, but then as we see, like the Watcher knows more than we do, and so yeah. there's a there's a reason he picks each of the people that he does. Yeah, he's seen everything. Uh, okay, so then we go to Wakanda, where Pepper Potts is with the Dormelage and Shuri, and they're out uh, looking for Killmonger, and so is the Watcher. We see uh, Wakanda's destroyed here. Uh, Shuri and Dormelage burst into the room after he's gone. Do you think we're going to see a resolution of what what is going on with this multiverse that we've seen before? You mean like in each of the respective stories of the characters? Or even just this one specifically. I feel like this one is one that wasn't concluded. I, I think in this episode, we do see a conclusion of like maybe the zombie episode. Like it, 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 like that kind of can, comes to like they they've kind of end cap that, but I don't think we we have found out what happens to Wakanda. Yeah, I mean, well, and plus that when we see the end of this episode is also kind of left in the air because, um, I mean, do you want to talk about it now or do you want to wait until later? Uh, I don't even know what you're gonna say. Well, because Eric <laughs> Killmonger's as Black Panther, oh, yeah. isn't going back to his universe. Good point. Good point, Brad. Okay. Um, well, maybe, maybe that makes everything better, right, for Wakanda. Maybe, maybe that is the end cap for that story. Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll talk about that more later. So Thor is busy taking out the Ultron army in Vegas. It's party Thor here, and he's uh, too busy having fun knocking them out to, to actually under even see the Watcher is recruiting him. Uh, and like, and as I noted before, all this is done in under five minutes. Mm-hmm. So, so they they all meet in a pub. The Watcher explains that they've been chosen for this mission. It's necessary to continue life as we know it, and that they are the guardians of the multiverse. Uh, I mean, that's cool. It's it's cool. I, I I'm I'm enjoying it. I, I do think it, things are going a little bit too fast, but fine. Um. Killmonger like seems to be obsessed with like an Ultron helmet. Uh, do you think this was like foreshadowing his plans, or do you think it's because I think the Ultrons are like made out of vibranium? Well, I, I mean, I think it's both. Like, it's clearly he's interested yeah. in in the yeah the Ultron helmet because he knows what he can do with it, and then uh, you know that it ties to what he was also doing before in Wakanda. So like he's you know obviously tech savvy. Yeah, uh, at first Thor thinks this is all a joke that Loki concocted until he almost steps into a wormhole. Uh, They come up with a plan, and Gamora introduces a device called the Infinity Crusher, which is designed to turn the Infinity Stones into dust. Brad! (laughs) (laughs) 
when did anybody well first of all number one when did anybody create this device like maybe that's in the gamora episode that we're gonna see yeah, next season that's it's, what i was thinking too it, it did feel like kind of like a weird device to just suddenly bring up be like oh i have this thing that crushes infinity stones it's uh, okay <laughs> and it also seems like weird that like any like you know, non-god could create a device that could just like easily crush up infinity stones. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll just go with it. Sure. Uh, I do want to say, I think one of my problems uh, with this whole team up premise, which by the way, this whole team up premise on paper sounds incredible. Sounds like an awesome concept. But uh, like you said, the Watcher just takes these people from their respective multiverses and puts them together in their team. And it happens in the period of like four or five minutes. It happens so fast. Then from there, there's so little conflict here with them as a team. Like the the first Avengers film was all about like them, you know, uh, Nick Fury was trying to put them together as a team. But like getting them to actually all work together as the team was the movie. Yeah. And, and here you don't have any you don't have much conflict at all and you'd think they would have conflict because like you have killmonger and black panther each of whom has killed each other in their respective multiverses <laughs> but they also don't know that so and there i will say that there is at least a little bit of suspicion because they do think that something is off about killmonger and they, they feel like they can't trust him but like i don't know i feel like the explanation for not for them not arguing with each other and them just kind of getting together and doing the job is like it's kind of such a surprising thing to have someone like the watcher appear and tell you this and what's going on that you maybe they just kind of accept it and they're like okay this is i guess just what we have to deal with yeah i i would just think that there's too big of like i want to say egos but like these the super powered people to like just easily work together like that but maybe whatever okay it, the time restraints you don't you don't have time to delve into that uh so on a planet uh they toast their new what planet are they on here do we know did they say they're on this like empty planet somewhere uh they toast their new alliance and attract the attention of infinity ultron uh there's i do i don't know necessarily i think it's actually meant to be earth because it's well no i don't even know if they say the plan yeah because strange is the one who says that he is the one who created the the illusion of the bar as like the way a way to like make everyone kind of more comfortable so it's not actually you know on earth but it's you know uh um an illusion well i'm not even talking about that that was like in that um uh that pocket universe thing that he has or whatever I'm talking about like after that when they're like on this like desolate. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think they say what planet they're on in that one. Yeah, uh, there's a nice moment here where Peggy Carter learns that Steve got the super soldier serum in another multiverse, and uh, she seemed like happy that he was just alive somewhere. And also, um, and also, kind of horny about it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Strange Supreme puts a protection spell on the Guardians, which ends up saving them minutes later uh, when Ultron cra- crushes them with rocks. Uh, Thor-, Thor throws his hammer at Ultron, and Strange Supreme uses magic to turn one hammer into hundreds of hammers that all come crashing down on in Infinity Ultron. I-, I love in superhero movies when this happens, where heroes are able to combine their abilities in this way. Yes, this was easily the best part of this episode of seeing how they work together and how they use their their superpowers combined. 
Yeah. Uh, Black Panther is able to steal the Soul Stone just before the protection spell wears off. I was going to criticize them for because they've they've made it a point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to say that uh, no man can hold an Infinity Stone, but he had the protection spell, so so maybe maybe that's why he's able to hold it. So yeah, <laughs> um, Strange Supreme conjures up three huge red dragons that blow fire on at Ultron. And this is when he realizes his soul stone has been swiped. Uh, Strange Supreme opens up a portal, sending all the zombies from the zombie apocalypse episode on top of Ultron. Like it's a pile of zombies. Uh, and I, I do like how this episode is resolving some of the cliffhangers of those episodes. Although where's Thanos zombie zombie Thanos? That's what I need to know. What happened? I thought the same thing. And I actually thought that he was going to be the one who, uh, was like the the reason that they brought all the zombies to appear, but it ended up being a Scarlet Witch zombie instead. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what to think of that. Uh, he's able to make work of all the zombies except for Zombie Scarlet Witch, uh, and it's kind of interesting here because we have an alternate universe Vision and an alternate universe Wanda. Yeah, and uh, did we see Wanda get beat here? I'm guessing Ultron just blew up the planet. I, don't, I, I think it happens off camera, right? Well, they well they leave because she's the distraction. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So they, go, so they go somewhere else. So yeah, so we never really see what happens there. Yeah. So the Guardians of the Multiverse come face to face with Black Widow on the post-apocalyptic Earth. Uh, it's it's funny, even in like the animated Marvel Cinematic Universe, that they have to fight on these abandoned like planets and post-apocalyptic planet. Like you mentioned, I think on last week's episode, or maybe it was the week before that of how like uh man of steel was it man of steel. Yeah. Man of steel yeah. uh, kind of created this environment where you can't have superheroes causing uh, damage to casualties. So all these superhero movies have made these fights like isolated to places where, you know, innocent bystanders can't get hurt. Yeah, and uh, even in the animated shows, Brad. So, uh, okay. Uh, at first, uh, Black Widow doesn't trust them, but Captain Carter is able to use knowledge from her friendship with Nat to form a bond. It all happens so quick. Uh, Ultron shows up, tries to take back the Soul Stone. There's some really cool action here. Yeah, there's the- some outstanding action here. Yeah, the Guardians combining their powers to take out old Ultron. And then there's this one shot. My favorite shot of the whole episode is this shot that's focused on the Soul Stone on the ground. And it's all the action happening around it and people trying to grab it. Yeah. Yeah. That was really uh, cool. My favorite part of the sequence was uh, Captain Carter grabbing onto uh, Star-Lord and flying, striking Ultron. And then as she falls back down, grabbing Thor's hammer as he calls it back to him bringing her back to to surface level yeah that was awesome yeah very cool uh it really seems like they thought out the action in this episode to an exciting degree ultron uses the 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 stone powers to oh wait the time stone powers to get the the mind stone ultron grows in size strange supreme turns into a giant tentacle monster to take him on this whole like sequence felt like very epic. It felt almost like an anime. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so the guardians are able to hold infinity Ultron down as infinity stone crusher comes alive, like a robot 
Like, I, I just thought it was a device, but apparently it's like this, like, Roomba-like robot that climbs on top of Ultron, crushing all the stones. It's it's Roomba, it's, it's Roomba for Infinity Stones, Brad. <laughs> uh, so Thor says, was that it? Is it over? Was <laughs> like he, he's as confused as all of us watching this show because we we didn't uh, think that this was all going to come down to uh you know in, in infinity stone rumba but it, it we learned that the crusher was designed to crush stones on gamora's world or gamora's um multiverse it didn't actually work in this multiverse that does not make sense at all um you know i th- I, I thought it did because there was also this explanation that like, cause fans were wondering how the infinity stones were able to be used by Ultron in other universes, because they thought that they understood that the infinity stones were useless outside of the universe in which they were uh, created. And AC Bradley uh, actually addressed this on Twitter because the discourse around it was growing so much. And that the explanation was that Ultron isn't using the infinity stones to manipulate the uh, any other universe he's using them to give himself different powers and abilities so technically he's still only manipulating his own universe which he's a part of um but then when i talked to them today they uh brian andrews said said that the infinity stones actually aren't limited in their power within their own universe that's something that comes from the comics and it hasn't been established in the mcu the only um limitation on the infinity stones was that they don't work in the tva because the tva lies outside of you know the essentially the 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 multiverse itself so yeah i'm not sure why that device doesn't work in uh i don't know maybe it's maybe i i I don't know i really don't know (laughs) because like i get it that different multiverses are different than others but i don't think any course of events in Gamora's multiverse makes the Infinity Stones any different than they were in any of the other multiverses. I guess considering the origin of the Infinity Stones, maybe the makeup of the stones is different in each universe. That's the only thing I can think of. Sure. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, Captain Carter and Black Widow concoct a plan and Widow rides her motorcycle off a skyscraper in a true like Fast and the Furious kind of moment shoots a zombie arrow at Ultron as Captain Carter pulls up his mask so it goes into his eye. And uh, this is all the plan to inject Ultron's system with Zola, which doesn't make any sense to me. But, okay, so Ultra- Zola ends the existing program programming inside Ultron. How did they know that Zola was going to help them? I don't know. Well- well, I mean, I honestly don't think that he would have continued to if things were played out the way that we think that they could have. But that seems to be something that the Watcher predicted, which is why he brought Eric Killmonger into the fray, because he knew Killmonger would figure out how to remove the stones from that body, thereby yeah. thereby separating the stones and letting them be a separate entity. So that way, neither of them would be powerful enough to create any more problems. Good point. So Ultron is not happy that Killmonger has taken the stones for himself or is trying to take the stones for himself. Uh, I guess my only note here is I think it's a, a little silly that Zola's face is like projected on Ultron's body. It looks Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought that was a weird design too. Yeah. I know in the comics, before people come at me, in the comics, Zola at one point is put into an android body and there's a screen on the android's like uh, stomach or chest. Yeah, that's clearly an an allusion to that, but it still looks weird. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Strange realizes that they weren't meant to win. They were just meant to separate the stones from the body and the Watchers able to contain the battle between Killmonger and Zola Vision in a like a pocket universe, Mm -hmm. a gyrospheric ball of sorts. And we get this moment of peace and peace on the post-apocalyptic earth with the uh, guardians of the multiverses. And we also see the watcher entrust strange Supreme to watch the pocket dimension. uh, Since he's in his own pocket dimension. Uh, And with that, the watcher sends the heroes back to the exact moments they left. No one will ever know that they were the heroes of saving the multiverse. Everyone but Captain Carter, who would rather return to a uh, time when Steve was live, but the Watcher assures her that the world needs her. Why would the Watcher just be like, uh, you know, just go back there. There's, There's a surprise waiting for you. Like, don't worry. Well, to be fair, I'm not necessarily sure that surprise is a good one, but... We'll okay. Talk, we'll talk about that when we get to the credit scene. Yeah. Uh, there is a good moment here where Black Widow is kind of saying that the heroes of these worlds are just stories to the Watcher. And it, it, I feel like this is a moment that would, if this was a comic book, it would play out much better because you'd have time to kind of enjoy it and think about it because it's kind of this fourth wall breaking moment where Black Widow is not just talking about the Watcher, she's talking about us. Yeah, and, like, and and actually, AC Bradley and Brian Andrews both said that they've always looked at the Watcher as being representative of the audience, someone who's like consuming these stories, but comes to be much more involved with them as they go on. Yeah. Uh, so this leaves Black Widow, who is the last person to survive her universe. She pleads with him to fix her world. Instead, he sends her back to a world that lost their widow. Uh, it's this huge fight on the helicarrier with. Uh, her taking out Loki with his scepter is am I correct in saying that this is the world from episode three like the murder mystery episode yeah this is definitely that episode because at the end of that episode Loki was taking over the planet with uh his Asgardian army and Black Widow was killed in that universe so that's definitely where this is taking place it's funny that the watcher doesn't want to change anything but he's willing to like bring Nat back from death in this one in this one multiverse, I guess. Um, okay, anyways. Uh, so the Watcher promises he will protect his world till the end. And then we get the credits and we actually get an end credit scene. It's not like one of these like bumper scenes that we've been getting. Uh, and in this end credit scene, we are back on the ship that Batrock uh, and his goons had hijacked in the beginning of this episode and, uh, in Winter Soldier. And Nat has found what the pirates were after and shows Captain Carter locked inside this room. It's a hydro stomper and quote, there's someone inside. And of course we're led to believe that that someone might be Steve Rogers and Steve Rogers might still be alive. Uh, cut to the credits. Uh, let's move on into speculation, Brad. Uh, is it Steve Rogers? I think it's Steve Rogers, but my prediction is that because this is the beginning of Captain America the Winter Soldier, 
that it's not going to be a Steve Rogers who she's going to be happy to see or who wants to play nice with her. I am predicting that Steve Rogers has been brainwashed by Hydra and is much like Bucky Barnes was being used, was intended Uh... to be used as a weapon. And so she'll be forced to fight Steve Rogers rather than, you know, have her loving companion back. That said, we are now going to be in the timeline at what point? Like, uh, It's the beginning of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we are in like kind of modern timeline. We're not in the time when Hydra was – we're not in um, you know World War II. No, but Hydra is still around, remember, because, oh, they yeah, find, yeah. They, because they find out that Hydra is S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, that's a good point, good point. Okay. Uh Okay, so we know Captain Carter is going to be in the next season. Mm-hmm. We we have to assume that they will show us what happens, who is in the Hydra Stomper outfit. Um, <laughs> what do you think is going to be season two? Do you think we're just going to get back to the the single unconnected stories that somehow and then introduce a new villain and then the Guardians of Multiverse will have to come together again with maybe some more heroes or... I think that we will probably continue to follow these storylines of the heroes that we've met in their own universes, but there will also be new threads that also uh, appear. And then much like the MCU, we'll get another like culmination to take on a big villain as we did with the Avengers movies in the primary live action MCU, because um, the characters that we've met so far, they're still in their and the part of their story that's earlier in their own timelines you know um star lord just arrived back on earth after learning he was from wakanda um captain carter is in the the first part of uh the winter soldier storyline um thor kind of is open-ended and i think if i'm correct i think thor love and thunder will be out by the time we get a second season of this show. So they might be able to play with that in some capacity. Uh, but then again, maybe they have something planned, you know, something else like a different take on Ragnarok since they are doing that Sakar Tony Stark, Gamora thing as well. Um, who else, who else is there? Uh, Killmonger is incapacitated because he's stuck in that pocket dimension. Um, yeah, we know we're getting that Gamora episode. Black widow is in that new timeline where they're fighting Loki and stuff like that. So you would assume that that would continue from there uh, and we saw captain america is in that universe now as well um so yeah i i think that there's enough of carryover from this season of superheroes that we can still follow and remix the rest of the movies in their respective uh alternate franchises if you will and then also introduce new ones because um one but thing I, that- I gotta say brad even you recalling all that was so much work like yeah it, it it's hard to keep track of six different or you know eight different multiverses than it is like on a normal show where you're keeping track of just the characters in one yeah um i don't yeah i don't disagree with that and then oh and then on top of that too uh, another thing that was mentioned is that um ac bradley said that they were uh eager to play around with shang chi so i wouldn't be surprised if second season of what if uh ends up bringing shang chi into the the fray um in a different way than uh, he is in the MCU. Who do you think the villain is going to be of season two? And we, we think this is only a two season thing. I think I, I, my guess is that maybe strange Supreme 
has something to do with this? Maybe he is tempted by the stones himself? Mm, I don't know no? about that. I feel like he's already taken a villainous turn, and it would be weird to do that again. Uh, do we know I do that- feel like the villain has to be someone that's already been introduced. Do we know that this is only a two-season thing? Uh, I thought so. Maybe, maybe I could be misremembering. Yeah, I don't think that they've said anything about this okay. only being a two-season thing. Because I'm pretty sure that they've mentioned, like, the idea of future seasons aside from season two. Like, that they of stuff, you know, that they know if the, if the show sticks around that they would want to keep going. Um, as who the villain could be, I mean... It, it, it could technically be any villain that is just given, you know, a makeover, you know? Like, I mean, uh, we have Ultron in this one as the, the villain, and they change, you know, essentially his origin and, and they make, make it so that he won. And so you could take any villain and make them a bigger deal in one of these universes because they were able to get something that they didn't have in the live action MCU or team up with somebody else. Uh, so gosh, I mean, I doubt, I doubt they'll retread Thanos territory since they just did an infinity stone thing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Like, there's not any of the big villains because they've already played with like the more popular villains, like Killmonger, Thanos. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, any other thoughts or speculation, Brad? Um, no, I, uh, I guess I'm. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see exactly what they do with the second season. Um, I don't know that I'm dying to see it. <laughs> Just because seeing how it culminated here, you know, nothing really happened that we weren't already expecting. And there are elements of the show that are that are underwhelming. So I don't know. I think if more than anything, because they used so many movies from the Infinity Saga for this first season, I'm curious to see exactly how, how what their approach is for a second season um, when they have when they don't have quite as many movies that they can easily play with um i think that i think that's the thing that has me most curious about what's what's coming up yeah i think i agree with you there and i i hope that they're given some more time like maybe like some 40 minute episodes or something because it, it, it always does feel like they don't have enough time to tell these stories and i understand that these stories were originally based on you know a comic book series that i used to read that was just one issue comic books but in it's a different medium it, it, it feels like they don't have the, enough time here. Yeah, well, especially now that they have confirmed, you know, that they 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 can cross over these characters too. It's not the anthology series that was originally teased necessarily. Yeah. Okay, so that does it for today's episode. You can find more of all of our work slash from the com. You can find this podcast slash from daily on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slash from the com, and please. Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow.